Hey, baseball fans, welcome to the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast with your host, the voice of the Apple Sox, Joel Norman. Welcome back again, everyone. This is the Apple Sox podcast, and I'm Joel Norman. And today we're going to continue our recent trend where we've been talking to some former players. Now, the previous two episodes, we chatted with members of the 2022 Apple Sox, but we're going to go back 20 years from right now and talk with a member of the 2002 and 2003 teams with the Apple Sox. The first ever MVP recipient in team history, Jason Freeman. Now, Jason would go on to win MVP in his first year with the Apple Sox in 2002 when he hit 421 in 26 games. Now, of course, the Apple Sox play a few more games now than they used to, and Freeman was a later addition to that season to that team. But either way, that 421 mark is the best batting average by a player in a single season with the Apple Sox. He would go on to win a PIL MVP that year and was also named first-team All-Pacific International League as well. 2003, he only appeared in 11 games, but hit 349 with the Apple Sox that year with a, uh, another memorable summer in Wenatchee. It was a heck of a career in Wenatchee, and it was a great conversation with him catching up on his time with the Apple Sox, as well as his baseball career and his life since his time in Wenatchee. You know, back then, it was like a, like the second or third or fourth year, and, and nobody, I guess, really knew. I, I mean, we knew it was a cool thing, and, and, we, lo- and we loved it, and even when Achi back then, I, I wonder if people really had an idea of like what it could become, you know. So it's really cool to see how it's grown up and and uh, and how and how the community just like maintained it the whole the whole time. So, so you joined the team it would have been two thousand two. That was the third year of the Apple Sox existence. Uh, so it was you know the very in, very infancy of the team in general. So what what do you kind of remember? That two thousand two season was great for you. You hit four twenty one that year. Uh, you had you know, team record still stands for batting average. They play a few more games now, and they did then. But uh, at 421, it's still 421. Uh, first team all PIL, PIL MVP, first in franchise history. What do you remember from that summer? Yeah, you know, my Apple Sox story actually starts like even the summer before. So, and I guess what would have been season two, right? Um, I was still in high school that year, and one of my good friends was on the 2002 team um, from my hometown. Um, and you know, summer came and I, and, and I was right out of high school. I think I just graduated and he said, come up and visit. I'm playing for this really cool team in Wenatchee. And so I think I went up there and I watched a couple games in 2002 or one game and then, and then spent some time with him and his host family and his host family, like had a place up at Chelan and they had an off day. And like, we went and went and hung out at Chelan and, and I like learned a wakeboard or something, you know, as an 18 year old. And like, I was just, man, I was like, man, this is the coolest, right? Because at that point in your life, you're, you're not really living away from home yet, you know? And so it's like, really your first taste of that. So from that day, from, like from that summer forward, I, I kind of knew, I was like, man, I'd love to, I'd love to play college summer ball. You know, that'd be super cool. And, uh, you know, fast forward to the next year, right. I'm a freshman in, in college and it, yeah, I mean, I just, I really just, um, I didn't really know what was going to happen. I remember um, not even really knowing how much playing time I was going to get as a freshman. And and then, you know, ended up having a really good school season. And shout out to Coach Rogers there at Columbia Basin um, for putting me on this little platform into success, right? So I feel like I'm trying to recall again, you know, it's been 20 years or so, but going to him one day, in April or March of my freshman year in school and saying, 
what, what, you know, am I going to play this summer or where, where am I going to play? And, you know, he, he always did a, like, you know, a really good job of kind of putting the, putting his players on a, uh, a good path for success. Right. So he, he said, he said to me, my freshman year, one thing that'll stick with me forever. He said, you know, if you come here and you contribute for me and, and you do everything you're supposed to do, like, I'll, I'll make sure you play at the next level. And that's a promise, you know? So I feel like that really motivated me as a 19 year old to like, um, you know, just put my head down, work as hard as I could and, and just try to, you know, play for him in a way that he would then return the favor and make sure, you know, I got to go to the next level. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think I vaguely remember him telling me, it's like, Hey, they had a spot open up. Like I wasn't even originally on the roster, you know, in Wenatchee and they had a spot open up through, through injury or something. And like, Hey, we got you in. It might even been one of my teammates and my NWAC teammates that got hurt, but you know, it's like, Hey, you, you've had a great year here. And, and we got you in like, with coach Nags up in, up in Wenatchee. And so it was like super exciting and it was pretty close to home, you know, which was great. Cause you know, my folks could come watch. And, and again, at that point I was, still pretty young and living at home and stuff still. So, so yeah, that, that was kind of like my introduction to Apple Sox baseball, right. was this late entrant to the, to the team and away we went. What was it like playing in Wenatchee at that time? You know, the town has changed a little bit in the last 20 years since then. I'm sure there's still a lot of stuff that's probably similar from what you're experienced and maybe even just what I've seen the last few years. What do you remember a lot about the town in those 2002, 2003 seasons? Oh, man, I mean, it was <laughs> – I mean, you know, I never played in the big leagues, and I, I know a lot of college baseball players never get that opportunity, but it's it's what you kind of envision or dream about in terms of, like, how you, how that town makes you feel, you know, as a player, right? It's like you're you get there and – you know, especially in the summer, it's, it's just, everything's about Wenatchee Apple Sox baseball in the, in the town of Wenatchee and every business you walk down the street, everybody's got like the flyer hanging in the window or the schedule, you know, it's like, and, and then the evening rolls around on a summer night and everything closes down and everybody goes to the game. You know, it's just like, it's, it's not a small town per se, but it's, they got that small town vibe. And um, that was like probably my favorite Apple Sox memory. It was just like, for us, we were just a collection of kids from, from random places. But once you get there, you can tell like how important it was to the community. And so it then became, it was like, we fed off of that, right. It became important for us because we knew that it was like a big deal for them. The thing I always say, it seems like the guys who are coming from the junior colleges, they appreciate that experience so much playing summer college baseball. Did you feel like that as well? Because it's a little bit bigger crowds than maybe what you get in that regular season, like you might've had at CBC. Hundred percent, you know. And funny story, I actually one I had this one jotted down, but I, I so night one, right, the opener, like the home opener, and is my first taste, and you know I'm in the lineup or or whatever, and it was a few days before the the draft that summer, um, you know, when I'm summer after my freshman year of college, and we're playing, I think it was the Bells. And the Bills had a guy and there was like, you know, chatter pregame, like, oh, they're throwing this guy tonight. He was, and it was like a few nights before the draft and his name was Jeff Francis. And uh, he ended up being a first rounder. And here I am. And, you know, I, you know, Columbia, Columbia Basin's no slouch and NWAC is no slouch, but, you know, we didn't have first round mid nineties left-handers, right. Every night of the week. And so it's like, I remember that night, <laughs> 
you know, I think I was like 0 for 3 or something, and, and it was left on the left, which was particularly hard for me. And so I remember calling my dad or something after that, and I was like, we've made a huge mistake, you know, like just, <laughs> just like thinking that like that was going to be the norm, you know, it was like, this is a little bit overmatched, but um, I think we ended up losing the game. And uh, that, uh, that story was always sticks out of my head. It was like, it was like a very abrupt start to my PIL and, and college summer career. Right. Yeah. Yeah, not not every guy throwing every night is going to be you know, a first round future MLB draft pick, but still a great experience I met, especially a great story now to say, right? Yeah, yeah, it was my first night. I remember in the Apple Sox uniform, and was like, okay, well that guy's out there, so let's do our best. That's pretty funny. I don't know how many people remember that name. I remember when Jeff Francis pitched with the the Colorado Rockies, so that's that's funny you mentioned that one in particular. So we mentioned the two seasons with the team. Now, I was looking back at your stats. In the regular season, at least, you played about 37 combined games with the team. Were you around for either playoff run those two years? Because 2003, the team won the PIL championship and then, of course, went down to Wichita for the NBC World Series. Were you around for either postseason run those two years? Yeah, so so interesting, right? So I, I went to Wichita twice in my life, in my college career, and neither one of them were, were with Wenatchee. Um, okay. So... How it worked out was, and it was kind of a tale of two two seasons right there for me and when actually it's like that first year was like super magical, right? It was like the the dream school season and then of course the summer season too. And like I try to look back at it and think of like what was the theme, right? And it was like I feel like I must have just literally played, I'm not almost say played scared, but it's like played every game like it was like my last, right? It was like nothing was ever given to me i was like one of the last guys to make the roster and then like every night it's like that tom brady thing it's like once you get your chance like don't mess it up right and so it was like very i felt very much like not unenti- it wasn't like an, i wasn't entitled to that spot right so it was it was very much like a, a dream experience right and so then it's like the, and then my my games and our games and the, the, the season just kept getting better and better and better and and i, remember, I feel like it towards the end of the year it was like the season playoff to decide who went to the final or, or it was like the, who was going to win the the PIL that year. And it was in Bellingham. And it was also the same night that they announced like the all league stuff. And this was a good nag story. Right. So he like, he didn't really like tell me outright, like anything, <laughs> anything that I had won or I had earned or whatever. And so we get to the parking lot before the game and the bus stops and we're all getting ready to get off the bus. And then Nags kind of stands up in the aisle and he like stops everyone. He's like, Oh, I just want to make a quick announcement. You know, we had some, we had some good uh, efforts this year and some guys that were, you know, awarded the the all league or, or whatever. And he like went through the three or four of us that had, had made the all league. And so like, I was just like at that, even just for him to say that in front of my teammates, I was like super I was like, wow, that's so cool. You know, I didn't expect that at all. We played the game or it was either pregame and like they did like, an announcement in the stadium of like the, the entire like all league roster. And then they get to like the, the point where they announce the MVP. And I remember standing there like on the chalk line on the third base line with the rest of the guys. And they like said my name and I was like, I was like stunned. And then the guy next to me, like, I feel like it was like a, one of my future teammates, Brady Everett. He's like, that's you, dude. And he like hits me on the back. And I'm like, oh. And I like went out there. I'm like, you know, waving. I'm like, oh my gosh, no, didn't expect that because Coach Nags never told me, you know. So he just kind of let me be surprised. Yeah, I mean, that was just kind of like 
summed up my, my first season, right? It was just like, I never in my wildest dreams expected to have that much success. And, you know, my, my second year, you know, you asked like, did I do uh, Wichita or, or anything? And then my second year is like, Oh, I'll go back to Wenatchee. But that, at that point, you know, I don't know, maybe it was a life lesson, right? It's like, you, I felt like, Oh, I'm, I'm this or that, or this big shot, you know? And so like, you know, I think I've just made a few poor decisions, um, you know, after I got to Wenatchee that, that ended up leading towards me being injured, you know, goofing off on an off day and having an injury and just things that you regret. Right. But definitely learned from it. And yeah, wasn't able to complete the season there in 2003. Just had to follow it along. Like this was like right when you start to do text messaging and stuff in 2003. So it's like went home injured and try to keep in touch with some of my teammates and like they're doing the playoff chase and, and super excited for them. Right. And, and I'm trying my best to, to keep up as they're going through the schedule, but uh, did a lot of it from back home with my arm and a cast. So not much fun for me. So you were injured then that 2003 season you were saying, cause I, when I was looking at the stats, it only had you as 11 games that year. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah, if that's, if that's what it says. Yeah. I think I got through 11 games and then we had an off day and I had an injury um, unrelated to baseball. Right. And so, which, which, you know, was really eye-opening because it's like I'm scheduled to at that point I'd, I'd signed, you know, to go to my, to go to my four-year division one school the next season. And, you know, that coach is then, you know, pretty concerned because, you know, like, is this guy even going to be able to contribute when he gets back to school and, and this and that. And so it wasn't a really good situation for me. And it's definitely a decision that I regret, you know, just going out and hop on a dirt bike or something on my day off and break a bone or something, you know, so silly things you do when you're 20 years old, I guess. You know, that's, you know, that's what the league's for. I think it's for giving guys that sense of, uh, you know, you take ownership in a way of your career. I look at it. I think guys learn a little bit each year because it is that pro style. You're playing every single day. Uh, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you next. What was that like? Because that was probably your first instance, as it is for many guys, you know, summer collegiate baseball is that you're playing every day kind of grind. I think it either makes or breaks guys at the college level. What did you think about it for you? Did you really like having that day in and day out baseball experience? Loved it. Right. And, and, and I'm always, always a warm weather player too. And so I love the fact that it was like, there's nothing. And, and even to this day, like I, like you should go out there Joel. like, I, I can, I can, I can envision myself standing in center field on like a summer night and like that backdrop there from like, cause no one has that view except me and the pitcher, maybe everyone else looks the other way, you know? And so it's like, you're standing out there and there's like the big mountain in the back and like the, all the stadium seating, you know, that they got from, you know, I forget where they got it. They got from the kingdom. The original seats were from the kingdom. Yeah. Super cool. Right. And so it's like, you know, it's such, such a cool view and you're out there and it's like the buzz of the fans on like a warm summer night. And it's just different, you know, going game after game after game and, and coming in and like everybody's loose. Whereas, you know, in the school season, you play a couple games and then you have like two or three practices that are really gnarly and everybody's nervous, you know, or whatever. It's just like a different vibe. And Coach Nags did a really good job with with that. It's like, hey, we're going to have early BP, and there's always no pressure. And I guess I didn't know it at the time, but he was like, did a really good job of making sure everyone was like at their most comfortable, right? And because that's when you perform optimally, at least for me, right? Yeah. We mentioned Nags a couple of times. I never had the chance since I've been with the Apple Sox. He left four years before I even started with the team, but he's still coaching in the West Coast League. He's with uh, Corvallis, who was over at uh, they were at the Aloha Knights back when you were playing. 
but now they're the Corvallis Knights. T- tell me through some of your memories of Ed Nags. I, I can never get enough stories from him. He's, he's a great guy whenever I've talked to him, and I just, I've heard some fun stories over the years about him. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is more what I was saying. You know, I don't, I don't remember a lot of like monologues between myself and Nags. He wasn't the type that was going to pull me aside and like really get deep into the instruction on like how to do this or that. Right. It was just more about like, I don't want to say he was your friend, but you know, he wanted it to be like that. Right. He's like, I want you guys to everybody to be loose and and try to get us to gel together as much as we could as a collection of players from all these different schools. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. and and he did a great job of that. Right. You get like a few, like what, six weeks or something or eight weeks back then in the PIL to like turn a bunch of random guys into like a cohesive group. And I mean, that speaks for itself and and his ability to do that like year after year and just get us in a place where we, you know, felt comfortable with each other. One story I have is like we had, you know, back then it was like all the Gebbers guys and then we had some other PIL players, but then we had some four-year guys from, you know, out of California or, uh, you know, um, other NWAC guys that were were there and... (laughs) just the, just kind of the tone that we'd go in every night. Like, so I was in center field and the, usually that my right fielder was a friend of mine, Tim Preston, who was another NWAC guy. And he was kind of like the, I don't want to say the class clown, but he was definitely like the guy that was always telling jokes and keeping us loose. I figured it was like mid inning and we had just gotten an out. I like look over to like flash the outs to him. And he like gives me like the hang. He like, he's like, one second, hang on. And then he like digs in his pocket and he, puts this thing in his mouth real quick. And I don't know what it is. He's like, you know, hundred yards away from me. And he looks over and he like, gives me this smile. And it's like this, like snaggle tooth, like hillbilly, like, like mouthpiece or whatever, like insert you put it in. And he like kept it in his pocket. And he was like, you're like, wear that in the middle of the game. So like he put it in and then like for the next couple outs, he would just be wearing it like during live gameplay. Just like, that was just the way we were, you know, we just tried to be as loose as we could. Do you keep up with any of the guys potentially from those two summers? You mentioned a couple names. I, I don't know if these are guys you maybe you knew going in. Are, are there guys you still talk to from your time with the Apple Sox? Yeah, also, I mean, I'll, it's not like daily or weekly or even monthly, but, you know, you know, through the power of text messaging or email, you know, you ping a guy here or there. If you see something that reminds you of them, you'll take a picture of it and send it to him, you know. So I got a few contacts, and we still talk about the old days now and then. Um, I think it's maybe changed a little bit now. I don't know how the team rosters are currently mixed, but, you know, we had about, I feel like it was, you know, 40% NWAC guys back then in a, in a smaller league. But, you know, I, I remember Jacoby Ellsbury was on the, you know, the, the Bend Elks, right? And so it's like we still had a lot of, like, really young, really good players, um, you know, a lot of whack and and packed. Pac-10 guys back then. I was the Pac-10, not the Pac-12, but um, lots of rosters had four-year players as well. And that, and that was like, I feel like one thing that that really that those two summers kind of confirmed for me was, you know, I, I went in there thinking I'm just like this small town Juco, you know, NWAC kid. But then you, you go through the season and you look back at it and you're like, I, you know, I had 50% of my bats off, you know, division one players or pitchers. Right. And so it like kind of confirms for some of the smaller school kids that like, it's the same game and that you know, you're going to be just fine at the next level. And I, I bet that's still the same way now. Right. It's like you get some of the small school kids and it helps them realize that, you know, they can be successful at the next level. I like that you brought that up because that is something, you know, we see a lot right now. There's, I'd say there's a little bit more division one talent than before, 
where that probably makes up a higher percentage. But it is interesting because you get guys in the summer. I think, the, like I said before, the JUCO players are excited because they're either they're either about to transfer somewhere, have already transferred, or are looking to transfer. So they're saying, okay, this is my chance to kind of see where I can, you know, put my talent up against these guys. And then you've got the Division One players who I think it's it's a mix. I think some of them are really excited to be there, but then some of them are kind of thinking, hey, what am I doing here? I'm playing against JUCO guys. And it, it's funny to see some of them, sometimes they kind of get a little bit humble because of that. They realize, oh, just because he's in JUCO doesn't mean, you know, he's not at my level. If anything, everyone's at the same level in the summer, which I always enjoy. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that and it works that way, right? And and and, and I don't know how, like, recruiting has changed a lot now with all of the, the video and internet, like, recruiting and whatever. But I remember some of my four-year teammates just, like, you know, midway through the season or most of the way through the year, they're calling their coaches being like, you got to come look at this guy. Right. Because, and I'm, and it's probably the same way, right. If, if somebody goes undiscovered and they're going in the, and, and they're playing for Wenatchee or Yakima or whoever it is, and and they have teammates that are, you know, already established on four-year rosters. And they're just like, this guy is as good as anybody we have. And it's, it's, it's a good way to like get your name out there. I guess if you're an up and coming junior college player, working your way through the PIL or the West Coast League, right? Yeah, yeah. And like we said, you were still the PIL days too, so it was it was different. So a lot of the teams, though, a lot of the core members of the West Coast League came from the PIL. Do you remember, You mentioned Bellingham before. You mentioned Bend. Uh, do you remember going to any of those places? What was your favorite place going on the road? What were those road trips like too? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, nobody did it like we did, right, as far as the, the environment, the atmosphere, and everyone that, that – I knew would, 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 when they came to one, actually, they were like, this is so cool. Right. Like one of my best friends to this day, he was a bell, you know, I had a couple other, I feel like most of my friends were bells, but, um, you know, they, they still, when we sit down and have a barbecue and talk about the old days, you know, they're just like, you guys had it so good, you know? And, and I think my, so my third summer, I ended up going down to like Southern California, my coach at Washington state had, had wanted me to go down there and, and get some reps in the outfield and, I had been playing um, second base, like in the school season, which was weird because I was an outfielder, right? For the for the Apple Sox, I was kind of bouncing around, but and we were going around and like we didn't. It just it just felt like it felt like a exhibition compared to the way it was in the PIL, right? It was like there was like four fans in the stands, and we were playing at like old high schools, that, like we didn't have the key, and like someone had to unlock the gate, and it was like it was just it was very shoddy thrown together, right? As opposed to you know, even if you didn't do it as big as Bellingham, like every town you'd go around in the PIL or the West Coast League was like very well dialed in. They had the whole production, you know, and it was like the mascots and the fans and the promotions and all that stuff. It was just all really well done. You know, I have memories of like, you know, 19 year old and you're going to Kelowna or Kamloops, right? And like, these are really fun towns for for 19, 20 year olds to be in and and especially in some of the nicest weather days of the year. So really good memories, you know, on the road or, or at home. But uh, like I said, I, I, nobody did it, in my opinion, as, as good as they did in Wenatchee. Tell me then what you think, you know, was done so well in Wenatchee. What was it about Apple Sox fans or just the experience playing at Paul Thomas that stood out to you compared to other places? I mean, I, I maybe took it for granted at the time, but it's just like, I feel like that the, 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 every layer of the program was, it was like a well-orchestrated like minute by minute, like 
plan to the people who were putting on the show that evening, right? It was like, okay, in the first inning, we're doing these promotions, second inning, third, every inning, they had a different promotion or, or they were managing it, you know, you know, down, like I said, down to the minute on like what was going on behind the scenes, just to keep the fans entertained. Uh, yeah, shout out to, you know, Jim and, and the team back then. And, and even like after the game, you know, we would, they'd have food for us and it was all very well put out and they took such good care of us and they really couldn't have done it any better. One shout out or tell one story as well. Um, so my, my hometown was like two and a half hours drive away from Wenatchee and my parents would, you know, like to come watch as much as they could. And, and my dad wasn't really known for like, you know, splurging on hotels or anything when they would come visit. Right. So he would, I guess, you know, on the first few trips up, he was staying at like some, and I was with the host family, so I wasn't staying with them, but like, uh, they were staying at some pretty bad place or some terrible place. And my mom wasn't really enjoying it, but they were in the stands one night and, and there was like the ushers that were working, uh, at the, at the stadium. Um, his name's Bill Freeze and his wife, his name is Sharon Freeze. And, uh, again, this was back in 2002 and they kind of were just like doing their thing and walk around. Hey, how are you? You know, who are you? Are you, you know, oh, my son's on the team, this and that. Right. And, and they were like, Oh, where are you guys staying? And my, my mom had said, Oh, we're staying at this place. And like Bill and Sharon were like, Oh no, you don't want to stay there. You guys are going to come. You guys are staying with us from now on. Right. And so they, and they were like actually Jim Corkin's neighbors. And so I think that's how they got lined up with the job with the Apple Sox is because they were like neighbors with Jim Corcoran. And then every subsequent trip into an to watch a series, like they would stay with Bill and Sharon. And so like Bill and Sharon, like opened up their house to my parents for every trip that happened in the future it really it really made such a huge difference for them and for me and like like after after the game or whatever i would go over there and hang out with them and talk about the game and see see my folks and just an just an incredible couple of people and couldn't say enough about them so no that's really cool it's i love hearing the players experience with just fans or their host parents in general because it makes or breaks the summer sometimes, you know, because that's your experience of how you remember the place. And, you know, way more often than not, we hear great stories about people who just kind of, you know, they welcome the players and then they make it feel like home for them. And to you, it kind of sounds like that, that when Angie felt like home when you were there in the summer. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Mike, I think I said, you know, my, I was like kind of a late entrant to the 2002 team and, uh, and, you know, my host family was, they didn't have much, like it wasn't like they were a wealthy family and, but, Apple Sox baseball was super important to them. I think they got, I think all host, host families got season tickets uh, out of the deal. And so they were like super excited about that. And they came to all the games. And I, I even feel like I, for the summer, like maybe they like moved one of their kids out of their kids' room so that I could have that room and their kid like slept on the couch or something, just because it was like, it wasn't an ideal to have a 20 something or a 19 year old living in their house. But, um, you know, if it meant that they got to, be a part of the, the Apple Sox community, they were all in. And so, you know, so many thanks to them for, for that and, and allowing me a, a place to stay. So giving you the MVP treatment, they kicking their own kids out of their own room, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I was on my way to, to having a, a good season and, and what was really cool is at the end of the year, um, I didn't know it, but they had been keeping a scrapbook like the whole time. Right. So like on the last day of the season, they kind of like, 
said goodbye and they gave me this scrapbook that I still have today, right? Um, that they put together of all these like newspaper clippings and stuff as I we would go on the road and like the box scores would come out and they would like snip them and uh, they gave it to me and took a photo with their son who was probably, I don't know, six or seven then. And so now I, I've thought about that recently like in the last couple of years. I'm like, man, like he's like in his 20s now, you know? And so he's probably grown and has a job and it's just crazy how time flies, man. Yeah. It's just, it's funny talking about, you know, 20 years later, especially. And you, like you said, like you wonder, I mean, that's, that's an adult now, you know, that person who was a kid then when you were there as well. Yeah. I and mean, that's it. It was just a little kid. He just want to, Hey, you want to like in my five minutes that I had between, you know, getting lunch and having to go to the park, he's like, let's go across the street and play catch, you know? And so I would do that with him or just like try my best, but it's like, Little things like that, you know, that stick out in your head. I was going to say, we touched on it a little bit before the talk about the technology. It's so different. Right about when you were playing was kind of right before things just took off. More people had, you know, cameras at the ready. Smartphones were really close to kind of coming out. So it was a different time, I imagine. And I imagine most guys on the team didn't have a phone, whereas now, you know, everyone everywhere has a phone. What were road trips like and what were things like that? Like, cause I imagine you got way more time to just talk to guys in person because you didn't really have the phones as something that you could use as a distraction or anything. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned, I, I think back and I'm, I, I can remember the car that I had and like, the, you know, I had my, like, you know, my CD case with all the pages and I would like flip through the CDs and like put them in the deck, you know, or I'd like burn a CD and play that. And when we were driving around town and I feel, and I know I had a, like a flip phone, like a little Samsung flip phone that you did like the T9. Right. And so it was like, I don't know how you remember it or, or what, but I feel like it was like right when text messaging kind of was like just first starting. And so, you know, you weren't, you weren't firing off text messages like you do now, like, you know, like big long threads. Right. It was like, Hey, meet at this place at this time. And maybe you send that and then hope that your buddy like shows up or whatever. But no, we had this, the little team bus and it looked like a little, I don't know what to call it. It wasn't a full on bus, but it wasn't a van. It was kind of like a bus van hybrid. <laughs> and uh, we, it barely fit all of us and in, in our gear. And I don't think it ran real well. And, uh, but uh, you know, we'd, we'd hop on that and play cards and tell stories. And it, it, I guess I've never really thought back about like how that would be different now to the, the kids, maybe just like dive into their Instagram and maybe not talk to their teammates as much. I don't know, but yeah, when I when I first got into the West Coast League, the first couple of years, so my first year was 2018, and that year and the next year, the guys would play, they were on their phones a lot, but I remember they played a little bit more games then than they did in the years kind of since. It's kind of slowed down a little bit the last couple of years that I've been there, and I remember the first couple of years, they would play Mafia on the bus a lot. I'm sure you played that at some point. Is that a card game? No, I don't know why I should look it up. No, so Mafia is... Mafia is a game where you kind of like you're trying to pick like who the um, wow it's been a couple of years since I played you're kind of trying to pick like who is the person like who's quote unquote killing people everyone has like their own roles and whatnot and like one person is the bad guy basically and they're they're killing people off slowly and you're trying to figure out you know who is it you can like everyone has a different role certain people died certain times there's like a narrator who describes okay hey you know. Mafia went out last night and they got, you know, so-and-so, he's dead. They're like, so now you're down to this many, that kind of thing. And I, I remember I, I got, I played it one time late in the season. It was pretty fun doing with the team, but they got pretty into it. It was really competitive. But even in the years since, I see guys kind of less and less are doing that. And 
But uh, so you guys would do cards and stuff, though. You're saying like, was there a game that was like a go-to or you know something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of thirteen. Um, I don't know if you know how to play thirteen, but I mean that was like usually the most common game on on road trips. I feel like there may have been some of that like kind of around the bus. Like uh, I don't remember the name of the games, but it was like you know whether or not you had to like. There was like one guy would say something and the next guy would say two things and the next guy would have to say those two things plus add something. And then so you'd like would see how far you could get, you know, and if you lost, then you were out or whatever. But we'd try to pass the time. I mean, there's I feel like there was some pretty long road trips, you know, I, I don't know how it is now, but I'm looking at I, I know I know I know Northwest geography pretty well. And driving from Bend to Kelowna can't be like, you know, a short drive. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, luckily, he's kind of in the middle, right? And so it's like maybe you have it a little better than the guys. But I, there's like a south and a north division now, maybe. So I, I don't know, right? It's it's kind of crazy now because there's 16 teams. Yeah, if I'm remembering right, 16 teams, and there's even there's a team in Edmonton, Alberta, and the Apple Sox. So last year, the team was playing. They were going on a Canadian road trip. They went up to Victoria. Went up there. We we drive to Port Angeles, and we take a ferry to Victoria play three games there. Then we flew out of Victoria to Edmonton. Oh, yeah. A flight? Yeah. Oh, I guess because Victoria, you're like on an island, right? So it's like you got to yeah. get off of there. Yeah. Yeah, but for summer college baseball, that's a that's definitely – it was a first in Apple Sox history, first time flying for a game. So it felt very professional. And then you're going to an old AAA ballpark too, so that helps. <laughs> so cool, man. I mean, and like, you know, like – and maybe that, that's that's the thing is I feel like maybe back then in the PIL was like, uh, this is my stepping stone to like whatever league I'm going to play for next year or whatever. But I mean, being around and going to Wichita twice and playing, you know, on a full division one schedule, like I look back and it's like not so much of a stepping stone anymore. Right. It's like, yeah, there's the Cape and the new England league and these other leagues that are, that are great. Right. But um, you know, I, I I wouldn't want any kid to feel like, oh, if I'm going to the West Coast League, I'm I'm like some lower class citizen, you know, because I just don't feel like that's the way it is. It's the quality of baseball and and the summer in the Northwest, right? It's like it's there's really nothing better, right? In my opinion, it's like maybe in the winter it's tough to be in Washington or it's tough to be in the Northwest, but it's like when come summertime, it's like just a great place to be, you know. So yeah, one hundred percent. The 2023 Wenatchee Apple Sox season is right around the corner, and the best way to enjoy all the fun at Paul Thomas Senior Stadium is with season tickets. Season tickets are now on sale for as affordable as $145, and they lock in your seats to all home games from June to mid-August, and they also include all postseason games for free at no additional cost. Premium reserve seating closer to the field and with seat backs on them are also available for $245. And new this season are flex packs for Apple Sox fans. It's a value general admission pack of $60 that gives you 10 general admission tickets that can be used at any point in the 2023 season. Single game tickets will go on sale later on in the spring, but for right now the best option and the best value is to purchase Apple Sox season tickets. Head over to applesocks.com right now to lock in your seats. Let's talk a little bit about your your time in baseball after the Apple Sox. You mentioned you played summer ball as well in California, but you also went on to play at Washington State. 
Uh, talk to me about your time there. What was that like? Because I don't know if you ever hear anyone say a bad thing about their time with the Cougs in any sport. Yeah, you know, um, that, that first summer in Wenatchee had some crazy, like, heavy recruiting beyond anything I could have ever imagined, right? You know, like, you know, ACC and West Coast Conference and Pac-10 and, like, all of these coaches and the people calling and wanting me to go on visits. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that if I could go back and do it all over that I, I would do it the same, not, not because I – hate Washington state or the baseball program, but it's just maybe a, like, you wonder what, what it's always like, what if, you know, it's like you had all these other offers from these other schools and like, what would have came about that. Right. And um, you know, whether it would have been Oregon state who went on to win college world series, you know, like, or, or how would my development or my story would have changed if, if um, you know, I, I would have taken a different path. So, so, so yeah, that's really interesting. Um, as far as, you know, being a Coug, it's like, it does what, people say it does to you, right? It makes you a part of this like small town community family. And some of my best friends today are, are, are my teammates from, from that team. So, um, you know, we still hang out and our wives are friends and we barbecue and we golf. And like, those are my, those are my guys, you know, um, even, even to this day, um, the 2004 team, which was my first year there. Um, you know, I moved back to second base after, playing outfield for the Sox. Um, that's just where the need was on, on that team. And, you know, we actually had a good squad. We had, we, we, um, I think we in, were somewhere in the middle of the pack 10 and we were one win off of a regional and we had five pitchers drafted that year. So, yeah, I think we, I don't remember what rounds, but I know we had, you know, I think all, each of one of our starters and like two of our bullpen guys were all drafted that year. And, so we were pretty competitive. Um, I think one of them, one of the the better guys, like our Saturday guy, had an injury like in the middle of the year, like a non-baseball injury. You know, I think kind of hurt us towards the tail end of the school season and, and maybe could have cost us maybe like that that coveted regional appearance that every school team kind of goes for, you know. And it's kind of what you everybody's like, every, of course everyone's like, oh, you know, get to Omaha, like that's the goal. But um, you know, it starts with making that regional, you know, and so um, and, and, you know, unfortunately for the Cougs, like that's not something that happens every year. So Pac-10, Pac-12 is a tough conference and every win is, 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 you know, not, not given, right. It's, it's a, it's a big deal when you win a conference game, it was then, and it definitely is now. Right. And I think you saw that picture I posted on Twitter, yeah, which started this whole thing, but like, uh, we were having like a reunion like a baseball coog baseball reunion kind of fundraiser thing where the guys get back together and and those are fun and and you know we get to sh sit down and have some sodas and talk about the old days but uh i'll tell you what man they <laughs> again maybe it's just a little bit of me and how i felt when i was 19 like oh my god i don't i don't belong here this is like these guys are out of my league or whatever but like I look at some of this, the, the talent and the, the bodies that are going through these, these division one programs or even at Washington state, what coaches coach green is doing and the, you know, the recruiting that he's doing and the guys that he's getting, it's like unbelievable, you know, the type of athletes that are coming through there. And I, I just, I look at it now. I'm like, I wouldn't, I don't even know if I'd make this team, you know, just kind of the way that they are. No, that, that photo was cool. We were golf. We were at a golf tournament. Um, we had, we, got to play the Palouse Ridge there on campus, which is a really nice course. And they kind of had like groups of 
players posted on every tee box. And so as you would go hole to hole, you'd kind of get to meet like different groups of guys. And we got two or three holes in and we run into the, this group of pitchers. <laughs> and I, and uh, <laughs> it's funny cause like, I guess they liked us or something because like when we left that hole, they just got in their cart and they just kind of followed us. Me and my, me and my crew that were golfing that weekend. And we're like, sure, you guys stick with us, you know, hang with us. And so we kind of drag them along and I got to tell them stories and, we had what we called pitcher BP where you'd make like, like we'd hit our balls. And then like, if there was no one there, we gave our clubs to the Coug baseball guys. And we're like, okay, you guys have to hit one now. And that got ugly, but <laughs> we had fun with them. And uh, McCabe and Chase, it came out like midway through the round. We were talking about like summer ball and they're like, Oh, we're Apple socks. And I'm like, no way. That's cool. I was too. And, and then we like, I think the next hole we got there and there was the sign on the tee box of like sponsored by Wenatchee Apple Sox. And so we're, I'm like, we got to take a photo, you know, yeah. as we're Apple Sox brothers. So, so that's how that whole thing kind of happened. That's pretty neat. Was it, was it kind of cool talking about, you know, stuff with the Apple Sox for their things they heard from you? They were kind of like, Whoa, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean a little bit, you know, like uh, we didn't really get into much of, uh, I, I think I didn't know at the time, like what years or what rosters those guys were on. It looked, I looked back and it looked like McCabe was maybe like a few years ago. And then Chase was like more recent, but you know, I didn't get to really talk much about like, you know, their experience when actually, I think we all just kind of knew that it's a special place and we, we had that connection through it, you know? Yeah. Now take me through your career after your time with the Cougs. So where did baseball go for you after you graduated from college? Uh, was it something you, like, cause we said, we said at the beginning, it was hard finding some info online just cause that was your playing era was the dawn of the internet in, in a way. So where did your career go after your time with the Cougs? Yeah. You know, it kind of trailed off. I, I would say that, you know, that 2004 season was good for the team and good for me at my junior season. And then, you know, I had a little bit of interest and then the senior year, you know, we as a team were really not very good. And uh, my, my own performance kind of went with it. Right. It was like, and I feel like maybe that was always kind of a little bit how I was like when, when the team was going well and everybody was into it and every, and it was really important to your teammates, then it was important to me. And, you know, I fed off of that energy, I guess. And then, you know, in 2005, when we were having a pretty bad year and there was, you know, unrest in the coaching staff and kind of some things going on. And, uh, you know, my performance slumped as well. And so, you know, no draft for me or anything like that. And, you know, I think I had some teammates that were like, Oh, I'm going to go play independent ball. I'm going to do this. And I was just like, got my degree. I had a job offer. And so it was like, you know, I kind of just made the decision to, uh, you know, start my life. So. Yeah. How did you start your life? What did you, what have you been doing since baseball ended? Yeah, no, it's been, you know, it's been really, um, it's been good. I've uh, been working for a company here in the Seattle area for 16 years now and had many different jobs. And so that's been good. And then uh, recently, um, you know, bought a house. And so my, my, uh, my handyman skills have been being tested and, and I've been really enjoying like growing them, right? It's like buying tools is fun and learning how to do stuff and work on your house and, uh, this house that we bought is an older house. And so, you know, learning different electrical and like different, uh, like did a full flooring project and learning how to use, you know, doing like a lot of trim and doors and stuff like that. And so it's like really kind of coming into my own, you know, I feel like that there's really, I'm sure there is stuff that's beyond my league, but it's, uh, it's been, 
it's been enjoyable to sharpen those skills. And then, you know, in terms of like, what do I do in my free time? Right. So uh, we bought a boat and I'm like learning how to be a captain. So that's been fun. And it's like one of those, it's got like a cabin so you can stay the night. And so we'll take it out on the weekend or like a Thursday and we'll stay like a long weekend and we'll go out to, you know, whatever Island or whatever Marina and, and, you know, camp on the boat for a couple nights and then, and then come back home. So, and, and that's one of the really great things about living in the Seattle area, especially in the summer is it's just like, you know, the water is its own huge, huge world, right. In addition to everything the city offers. Well, you're living my dream of having a boat. That's uh, I'd, I'd like to be doing that. Hopefully, and at least a few more years. Though. I still got some college loans to pay off, but you know, working on that. But <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, man. That's. I mean, it's it's it seems a little overwhelming, you know, and definitely can get your heart pumping if you're if you're drifting towards another boat and you don't you know like you're not really sure what to do. But uh, it, it's all part of it, right? It's like I'm kind of pretty. I don't else. I'm pretty like. OCD or uptight and like it's like having a boat has tried to help it's helped relax right it's like when you're out on the water everything can kind of feel like a crisis sometimes and can really get your your blood pressure up you know when you're scared or stressed but a good day on the water man it's better than most things so yeah for sure have you made it down to Wenatchee at all ever since you last played for the Apple Sox have you been to any games in the the 20 years since yeah, I've been to a, f- a few, right? I, I could think probably like every five or six years we'd go and they had one thing. I don't know. It's got to be at least five years ago now. They had like a like an all-time team or something thing. And they had a lot of the guys, um, um, you know, who had success and would actually come and show up and they – they kind of like announced everyone in their year and then you got to like wave to the crowd. And so that was really cool and got to see some guys that I played with and then also meet some, some guys from other years and, and, and coach Nags was there. I'd have to look back to see what year that was that they did that, but I'm sure it was at least five years ago now, maybe, maybe six or seven. Um, and so that was a really cool thing, right. To, to get to go back and it was like a homecoming type event. So that was fun. I've seen photos from that. I think that was 2014 because that was his last year. And that was also the 15th season in team history. That would make sense. So what, that's like nine years ago now, right? It's been quite a while. Yeah. Well, you got to get down to a game this coming year then. It's, it's a lot different now. There's a, there's a full video scoreboard out in left center field now. So cool, man. Like Paul Thomas is like, again, I just keep saying it. it's like, it's just like you can't describe it until you experience it. Right. Especially for for players and families and the, the folks that work there and like just every, the whole experience on a nice warm summer night at Paul Thomas is like, can't beat it. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess you're right. It must've been about nine years ago. If that was coach Nags's last year, um, I listened to one of your other podcasts with, I forget it. It might've been one of the coaches. You guys did like a Mount Rushmore or something like that. And yeah, that's our current head coach, actually Mitch Darlington. The current head current head coach and like there and I was just listening to that and like looking at some stats and it's like some of the guys that have gone through man and it, what they accomplished in Wenatchee and, and even like as players and up through the big leagues right it's like some of these guys are big leaguers now and really really good players come through yeah 
Who was who was that maybe teammate for you who was like that you thought of that maybe you're like, wow, this is probably the best teammate I played with or, you know, one of my favorite people for my couple years of the team? Yeah, I mean, was there a guy at that time that I was looking at? I mean, like, wow, this guy's going to be a big leader. I don't think I looked at any of my teammates that way. Just like I didn't look at anyone on, the, on our team as like he's so much better than the rest, right? Um, and I don't think my – even though I had a great year, I don't think my teammates looked at me that way either, right? Um and that wasn't because we weren't good. It was just like, you know, I forget some of the names you guys talk about in, in Mount Rushmore, obviously Marco, but then there was, and I would, I'd be willing to bet that if you interviewed, um, who's the guy that uh, like in 2015 or 16, there was a, a position player. He had a Keston here. Yeah. Keston. Like I would, I would be willing to bet if you interviewed his teammates at that time, they were, and they were like, he was a good player, but he was just one of us, you know, he was just one of us. He was, he was just one of the guys, you know? And that's kind of how it was. It was like, we were all pretty good and we all had a lot of fun. And it's just crazy how, you know, certain guys develop afterwards and and their, their career kind of takes off and others just don't. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I had any teammates that were like, Oh man, this guy's head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, There was guy, like I said, my first night against Francis, I was like, this guy is crazy, but it didn't help that I was, you know, had my bat broken and my thumb sawed off a couple times, you know, or whatever it was, but yeah, no, no, it was, it was, uh, it was good. And when we all, we all just kind of inspired each other and provide the good energy, you know, every night. We've talked about Paul Thomas a few times and I always love going over it Cause there's a few quirks with it, which is you're good and bad. It adds to the character. I think of the ballpark, the one thing I always say, and our head coach this year has, he's made a point of this one uh, at night, the once the sun goes down, it feels like the wind really goes out toward right field. It's it's been that way ever since I joined the team. And our coach was telling me at the end of last year, he said, "Man, I am just going to stack this team with left-handed hitters for next year, so we can hit a ton of home runs." <laughs> was it like that when you were playing? Was it always the wind going out to right when the sun went down? I mean, I, I can tell you firsthand as a left-hander with some pop, you know, that it was there was no better place to hit, right? And especially on a warm night. <laughs> there was one night. Nags gave me like a, I remember this specifically because it was not trying to do this at all, but there was a, a hit and run put on when I was at the plate. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to swing at this pitch. Cause that's what you do on a hit and run. You're going to swing and the guy's going to steal and you got to put it in play. And so I was like, I knew I'm going to swing and I get an inside fastball. And I, when you're a left-handed hitter and you get a hit and run, typically you're trying to hit a ground ball to the shortstop. And so I'm trying to inside out this like left hand or this inside fastball to hit a ground ball to short. And I just caught it perfectly and hit like a line drive slash fly ball to right field. And it went out. (laughs) And, (laughs) and I don't remember what Nag said. He probably just looked at me like, what are you doing? You know? And, but I, I remember almost feeling embarrassed, right. As I like rounding the bases, I'm just like, wasn't trying to do that, but I guess we'll take it, right? <laughs> no, great place to hit for both right. I mean, I had right-handed teammates that love to hit the ball the other way, you know, and, and a lot of good right-handed hitters will just do that, right, just to wore it out, right, to the right center field gap. So great place to hit. Now, the the other quirk with the, the Paul Thomas Senior Stadium field was the infield right now in recent years, the left side has gotten pretty rocky. A ball gets there and a shortstop reads a clean, hits him in the chest instead of, you know, 
you know, waist high. Were there ever any things like that with you? Like, do you, did you ever notice? You said you mentioned you played a lot of outfield, but maybe a little second. Did you guys, do you ever see that? Or there any, any things like that on balls hit to the left side there? Oh, man. Are they really having, yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, and, uh, you know, growing up in Eastern Washington, knowing how it gets, like the sun can beat on a field in Eastern Washington day in and day out all summer long. And it can almost like bake the surface, right? So it gets like super hard and almost crusty right and you water it every night of course but it's just like the field gets so dry from 100 degree day after 100 degree day in the middle of july or whatever and you you play at night and so it cools off but that doesn't mean that the field is not super firm right Mm -hmm. Um, i don't remember any like specific again i I wasn't an infielder at the time and maybe maybe they had some bad hops but i don't remember too many too many rocks or anything so yeah Coach should definitely have that looked into, though. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, it's it's kind of been an issue in the last couple of years, but as I mentioned, it adds to the quirks of the park, and uh, you see how some teams, when they come in, they're expecting a true bounce, and it affects them, and it eats up each summer without fail since I've been in the league. It eats up the Apple Sox in the month of June, and then it kind of becomes a home field advantage in July because the guys have figured it out by then, but uh, they definitely get excited when we go on the road and we play at the turf fields, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, I started <clears throat> playing some games, um, you know, back when like field turf was first starting, right? And so you, I know that uh, Bailey Brayton was one of the first to adopt it. And, you know, it's a cold weather, wet weather kind of park. And so we had to do something different than the mud or grass or whatever. And, you know, your first few games on it, you like slide into third and you'll go right past, you know, if you're not careful on that stuff. It's like when when it gets a little bit damp on the field turf or whatever, you know, and, and but definitely, you know, as an infielder on that stuff, it's just, it's candy, right? It's like, you can expect everything to be perfect opposed to the standard dirt and grass where you might get a bad hop or two. Yeah. I, I never felt like, I never felt like Paul Thomas had any specific field problems. So I hope they get that cleaned up. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this then. This is my this is usually the last question I always like to ask former players. Um, if you know, you're if you were talking to someone who was signed to play for the Apple Sox in 2023, what would be your advice to them about you know playing summer ball, playing for the Apple Sox, playing Wenatchee? I mean, I would probably just you know I I would just tell them that you know don't feel like they're uh, you know you go into some don't feel like they're going to a second rate place. Um, it's, 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 it's a great league and it's the, the, the best location in, in that league, in my opinion. And so, um, you couldn't have been placed in a better spot and, you know, just go out there and play every game. Like it might be your last, you know? And, and I, I think that you should feel confident that there's not going to be a lot of pressure. You know, your teammates are going to support you. Your coaches are going to support you. The community is going to support you. Everybody wants you to do well. And, and that was the biggest cool thing about summer ball was like it's just like the cuffs were off right so like all the stress that you had from school and from um your school your school ball coaches and coaching staff and the expectations it's like all that goes away and you just get to be yourself and be the best the best baseball version of yourself that you can and um yeah it's just a lot of fun Awesome. Well, Jason, thanks a ton for doing this. It was fun to kind of pick your brain on your memories just of the Apple Sox and, and uh, you know, hoping, hoping to see you at a game here in the future at some point here. Nine years has been too long since you've last been to Paul Thomas Senior Stadium. 
Yeah, Joel, are you uh, are you there in like the press box, or what's your role there on a nightly basis? I'll, I broadcast up there, so I'm up in the press box. Um, you know, I, I've been doing the game since uh, 2018, and it's. I always tell people like, right now is usually when I start really you really start pining for it to be June or July, just because you're thinking about those summer nights while it's getting cold out. But yeah, it should be another fun year this coming season. Yeah, I got cracking season tickets this year in Seattle, so I'm trying to get into the hockey thing too there. I know you're doing hockey right now and yeah. trying my best to learn all the hockey rules and lingo, you know. Um, I, I guess I won't be able to come bug you if you're if you're in the middle of a broadcast, but if I do, uh, if I'm there before or after a game, I'll, I'll look for you. Um, I think back in my day, they had like, a, I feel like it was like KPQ or some station. That yeah, did. KPQ used to do the games. We have we have another station who does it. KPQ's an AM station. We have an FM station, 93.9 Sunny FM who does it. And and all the games, you can listen to them online on their website too. So it's it's pretty cool. It reaches a lot of the state actually in general. Cool. Well, I'll just, I'll have to tune in then on the, on the website and see if I can stream it. Uh, yeah. And if you do make it down, let me know. We'd, I'd love to have you on the broadcast during the game. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh, shoot. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay, well, I'll ping you if we ever get over there. I'd like to make trips to Eastern Washington in the summer. So that does it for this edition of the Apple Sox podcast. A lot of fun to catch up with Jason Freeman, who played for the Apple Sox in 2002 and 2003. Of course, that 2002 team was the first ever team in Apple Sox history to make the postseason. And then in 2003, they would go on to win the Pacific International League, their first of six league championship titles. But as you heard from Jason, he wasn't around at the end of that season when they won. But either way, really fun chat. Hope you enjoyed this one. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast if you do not already, and you can hear the latest episodes and get notified when they are out. We're just a few weeks out now from our roster reveal. We're going to really dig in deep on the 2023 Apple Sox roster the beginning of March, and it's going to be a lot of fun to start learning about the members of this team. So you're going to hear a lot more from the head coach of the Apple Sox, Mitch Darlington, in a few weeks. We've been giving him a little bit of time off and chatting with some former players, but uh, it's going to be fun to have Mitch's breakdowns on what he's learned about these players, what he's seen, and what hopes to help the Apple Sox win another championship in 2023. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Joel Norman. This has been the Apple Sox Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. If you enjoyed it and don't already, please subscribe to get updates on our newest episodes. Make sure to like the Apple Sox on Facebook and follow at Apple Sox on Twitter or Instagram. Wenatchee Apple Sox baseball, celebrating summer one inning at a time.